Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Zero Lift. I'm your host with the most, Lenny, aka Mr. Zero Lift. I'm joined, as always, by John over in the desert of Saudi Arabia. Just happy and to today, today, we have an old acquaintance of mine from none other than Japan. Uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed we've kind of set a trend here for this second season of Zero Lift. Uh, we're talking a lot of things Japan. Nothing in particular, nothing super specific, just Japan, awesome cult culture in general. And with us today, we have a good friend of mine, Nathan Vosberg. What's up, Nathan? It's been a long time since I've seen you, dude. It has been. How's it going? Uh, good morning, my time. Uh, it's been a while, but it's good to be on the, the podcast. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we have you on today because you have a very unique story to tell. Uh, and I think more people should hear about it because it is, I think, an amazing story and probably the greatest once in a lifetime opportunity that I've heard anybody like take full force and just run with it. Um, and of course, that is the story of your air cooled Porsches, one being a 964 RWB and the other one being a very black 930 Turbo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I. I, I don't think you're overselling it. It was a great great opportunity, a great time. Um, I don't know that my my story is so special, but I really enjoyed uh, you know the the sort of lucky uh, chance encounters I had over there, and it turned into something really cool. Uh, and I got to bring home yeah two great keepsakes from my time over in Japan that uh, uh, are pretty special to me. And uh, um, yeah, I don't. I, uh, looking back at it, it worked out really well. Uh, and it just, it was a series of, you know, saying yes to a couple things and, and then you wind up over there and get into something entirely different. Uh, so no, it was, it was a great time. We can get into some of those, uh, some of those stories, but, uh, yeah, it was a great time. Uh, but before we get into Porsche stories, we have some desert sand stories coming out of John's place because he has some news for us. I do. Um, nothing. I don't have a lot of details just yet, and there will be more very soon and pictures and whatnot in the Discord when it happens. But uh, I have a deposit and have started filling out, going through the process, but I now own a LS V8 swapped 1991 4th Gen Nissan Patrol. Um, that... Let's see, it's, uh, it's a five-speed, it's a two-door, so it's short wheelbase, and tuned with a Haltech Elite 950, makes 360 at the wheels, and I'm going to drift all over the desert with that thing. Um, inshallah, I should have it maybe Thursday? Oh. Yeah. But, uh, That's real sick. I, I'm, I can't believe that, like... So LS swap patrols are such a thing here. There's like, there's garages that just do V8 swaps on old patrols. Like that's all they do. Um, and so it's, it, I don't know. It gives me warm fuzzies that I'm cause, cause that generation of the fourth gen patrol, it, it has a pretty big cult following. Um, it kind of, no. it kind of looks like a modern take on an old Bronco, not unlike the new, new Bronco, but, um, it, you know, I get really strong old Bronco vibes from it, and uh, I don't know. I, 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 I'm kind of excited to, like, 
get back to a little bit of my JDM roots, except with a just smashing <laughs> V8 engine in it. Um, so yeah, that's that's what's going on here. Uh, soon, soon. Are Hopefully gonna, this week. Are you gonna keep it? Are you gonna keep it stock, or are you gonna start throwing money and parts at it? Uh, or do you not? You haven't figured out that yet. It's. I mean, I'm not gonna do anything crazy. I might get some nice seats in it, and I might. I'm only gonna upgrade like wheels and tires as I have to. So, I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna take it camping and and off roading and and go to the the big dune that everybody drifts up and down and, and just send it. And then if I get to a point where like, Oh, if I had a extra inch of clearance here, I could have done that. Then I might make a change. But as for now, I have a, essentially a 400 horsepower short wheelbase, just rocking SUV for doing weird stuff <laughs> with. And I'm, I'm just going to roll with that for, for the time being. Um, Oh, I want to I want to rack on top for like surf and snowboards. That's that's the only thing right now that I'm like gotta do. Um, I remember seeing all the videos, the four wheel drifts, you know, through the dunes and stuff. And I guess I didn't realize. Uh, I thought they might be like some you know turbo motors, uh, but I guess I didn't realize that those are LS swaps. So the 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 LS swap patrols are huge. Like their version of like Craigslist or Facebook Market, they call it. It's Haraj.com. Um, and if you type LS patrol, like you'll find a dozen of them. So there's that. The other thing that guys do, like what I'm doing is kind of like the quick, dirty, fast, easy way. You know, I mean, it's an LS swap, right? Like that's the quick, dirty way to go fast, right? Um, what some of the guys that are really like into it out here do is they'll do some crazy turbos on old um, old Hiluxes. Okay. Mm. Um. And so you'll see, like, there's one car that's really famous that I'm not sure what engine he's using, but it's an old Hilux with a twin turbo swap, and he runs it without a hood, and the turbos are like six inches above the hood line, um, just out in the open. And so, like, all of the, I mean, a lot of guys just buy Jeeps or buy whatever and then go hoon around in them, but, like, guys that are building cars for dune stuff out here are either doing ls swapped old japanese stuff or big turbo builds on old japanese stuff that is kind of the and, and i'll tell you this there's not a lot of like at least in saudi arabia in bahrain over the water there's a fair bit of motorsports culture and i've actually seen some really sick like jdm classics like i saw a really clean s14 sylvia and stuff um in saudi arabia there's not a lot of that but in the winter the off-road like hooning gang is huge out here. It's a it's it's very popular. So I'm trying to trying to get into some of that. So yeah, desert life. What up? But uh, you know enough about old Japanese SUVs and V8s. Let's uh, let's talk Porsches. Yeah, let's talk about old air cooled Porsches. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. So I just I just want to pretense this a little bit. Um, Japanese Porsche tuning isn't exactly the first thing I think of uh, when it comes when it comes to all of that. I, I, maybe it's just my exposure to it, but Porsche tuning in Japan um, is kind of a niche. It's a niche. 
there is a long history of it sure but there's only really a few shops and people that really uh do it well and i think nathan got the chance to do it with the the two best shops out there yeah no it was something that i didn't really know about uh, i didn't know about the particular japanese affinity for the 911 until uh uh, until I went over there, maybe maybe I would run across it every so often. I don't know if you guys were on Tumblr around like 2010, 2011 era. Uh, you know, in between a bunch of photos of like bobbers and cafe racers, you know, you would see sort of early, you know, proto uh, rat rotting of 911s, and you'd see you know cool early cars with a you know a mismatching hood, kind of before the before everyone sort of knew about it by way of the Magnus Walker videos, but every so often you'd see some, you know, wild, uh, you know, street car uh, or, or, or race car on the street in Japan. You know, you'd see a 962 at a gas station, you know, and I, I sort of picked up on it uh, beforehand, but it wasn't until I got to Japan and I, and I went to scuba, you know, for the first time and I saw, you know, 30 or 40 Porsches, you know, running that I, I picked up on this. Uh, yeah, Japanese obsession with the 911, and there are, I guess there are different reasons for it, but uh, um, as far as the love for the mark, the the, the 80s economy, you know, the, uh, it was there was always a huge market for for Porsche well before they ever had distribution there. I think it was, I think someone told me something like, you know, they were all gray market cars until 2005 when the Carrera GT rolled out, uh, and I guess they had their first, you know, Porsche dealers there, but so. A lot of cars in the 70s, 80s, and 90s uh, made their way over to Japan that were, I guess, German market cars um, uh, that got parallel imported and uh, through, you know, Mitsuwa and Mitsuwa. And um, yeah, they, uh, the Japanese sort of started to do their own thing and, and diverge from um, what club racers were doing over in Japan and getting, uh, sorry, over in the U.S. and getting more and more horsepower out of these out of these engines, uh, doing some doing some wild things and certainly in the late 90s, early 2000s, the zero yawn stuff. Um, and in fact, I ran across some of those projects that now live under tarps, you know, with uh, with wild configurations, you know, front engine uh, 993 uh, that, I, that I saw. Oh, nice. uh, yeah. And it's like that we weren't thinking about doing this kind of stuff, you know, uh, and uh, in the U.S. But yeah, um, uh, it's something I, I didn't really seek out, but I sort of fell into whenever I, I got to Japan. So what, Interesting. what Interesting. was so, the, uh, what, how did you, you know, you say you didn't necessarily seek it out. I, I had a similar realization to you. Like I came to Japan and I was like, ah, I can't wait to see all the skylines or, or whatever. And then <laughs> I started going to Tatsumi and stuff. And I was like, what are all these German cars doing here? This is crazy. And then there was a much more, I would say per capita than in the States. They were modified the hell out because you know, in the States, if you see a hundred Porsches, you might find five of them that the guy actually kind of like tunes up and stuff. But in, uh, in Japan, it was like every other Porsche was like built. Um, and so, but what, uh, I guess like how, what was your, your path that you yeah. got obsessed with that versus any of the other things that Americans get obsessed with? <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, I'm probably like you. I, I, I guess the reputation of the skyline preceded, you know, 
preceded it. I, I got to Japan and I knew that, you know, I knew a little bit about the uh, 25 year rule. I'd followed Sean Morris's, you know, uh, I- importing stuff. And I was, you know, I read every day. I think my homepage was the opposite lock blog on, on Jalopnik, which is now defunct, but, uh, but it used to be just a, you know, sort of like a discord server for people who, um, mm-hmm. you know, were into Japanese cars and stuff. And, uh, and so I kind of went to Japan with, you know, a little bit of savings thinking like I was going to, I was going to find a great GTR and bring it back. And that's why, you know, I ever, that's the only reason I got in touch with an importer, somebody who could do, you know, deregister the car and, and help with shipping. And it's through finding out sort of what their day-to-day was, which was, you know, sending a lot of very nice, you know, uh, 11 turbos, uh, you know, really special you know, million dollar halo, you know, uh, 911, uh, you know, RSs to, you know, England, France, uh, the Gulf states, uh, and then, uh, and occasionally to the U S that I kind of caught wind of the fact that, you know, Hey, I should expand my shopping to, to, um, you know, maybe some, some 911s were more affordable in Japan than they were in the U S at the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I originally went, went looking for, um, a great 911, a, a great, uh, uh, Nismo R32. And, um, at the time, 2013, probably, um, there was a little the bit price. of a premium. Yeah. And, uh, but, but not much. Right. No. And people would say, why do you want to, why do you want to spend 20 grand on a, on a GTR with no ABS and no air conditioning, you know? And, and it was like, well, you know, <laughs> because they're well, how many of them? 500 less, you know? 440 or something yeah. like that yeah and uh and man i remember so so at first I, I i made a couple of contacts and started shopping in auctions and we checked out a lot of cars put a lot of bids and always just barely missed them uh you know uh, you'd miss a car and it would show up on a deal a lot in yokohama for two or three thousand dollars more and you'd say ah you know uh, it's 23 grand it's kind of steep for a for a for a nissan gtr it does have four thousand kilometers you know uh, it is you know that's an, it's a nismo that's nice but it's twenty four thousand dollars you know and uh, and now of course yeah hindsight you you know uh, you'd be crazy not to but uh, but no I actually went to are you familiar with Pro Stock Racing uh, out in the countryside? Can't I have heard of them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, was going through a magazine, saw a bunch of inventory, uh, and this was sort of on my own with no with no Japanese ability. My first trip to Japan uh, made it out to Pro Stock, and even though it's kind of a, a little bit awkward trying to. Uh, Trying to communicate with the shop and using Google, Google, you know, translate and, uh, uh, you know, basically writing down, you know, uh, yen, you know, amounts on the, on paper and going back and forth, uh, you know, got to check out some really impressive. And some of these were like former Tokyo Auto Salon cars, really high end, nice stuff. Uh, I guess once I start, started going down the, the 911 tangent, um, I, I, I guess I sort of, uh, never did find my, my GTR, but, um, uh, got sort of fell into that and uh, almost by by accident. Um, so I'll, I'll give you the macro uh, uh, sort of the backstory. I I uh, was living in Louisiana in 2013, 2014. I was going to LSU working on my master's thesis, and an opportunity came up to visit Japan. My parents uh, uh, work overseas, uh, and they had been in Japan for a year or so, wanted me to come visit. Uh, and I finished up my coursework, only had to write my master's thesis and mm-hmm. Uh, and so I decided to take him up on that offer of a, of a place to crash in Tokyo. And I thought it'll be cool. I'll, um, you know, I'll climb Mount Fuji and, you know, I'll, uh, see the sights and then I'll go home and, uh, ended up, 
uh, taking, you know, all of my two week vacation and, uh, and yeah, running around Japan, doing car stuff, went to the auto salon, but, uh, I happened to follow RWV's Facebook page at the time and, um, I saw a post that there was a end of the year party at, uh, the Hard Rock Cafe in Rapongi, And I said, well, I'll just take my camera and I'll be a fly on the wall. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say anything. I'll just, you know, take some photos of a car, you know, of the cars and then leave. And of course, um, yeah, it was like a five minute walk from my, from my parents' place. So my brother and I, uh, show up to the Hard Rock Cafe and there's, you know, a parking lot full of, you know, slammed, very colorful, very loud Porsches. There's, uh, probably 20 cars there in a parking lot that doesn't hold very many, many more cars than that. And, yeah. uh, so I'm like just kind of in all taking in all the sights and sounds. It's mostly Japanese people. A couple of like maybe Sean from Narita Dogfight was there. Maybe a couple of uh, auto you know journalist people. And uh, I sort of kept to myself. And just as I was leaving, uh, you know, a Japanese guy with crazy hair jumped out behind the van and, and he goes, "Okay, now we go inside." And uh, and I said, "Oh no, we're just you know we're just looking at whatever." And he goes, "No, no, no." Uh, and so he basically invited us to join the, the – he closed down the Hard Rock Cafe for this uh, RWV party and and uh, got a chance to meet some people and, and got to talking. And, um, and, and of course, that guy was, was Nakai, uh, Akira Nakai of uh, RWV. And uh, and he, got to, he asked me, you know, where are you from? And I said uh, – I don't say I was from Baton Rouge. I'm from between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. But, uh, you know, if you tell somebody Baton Rouge, they don't know. If yeah, you tell yeah. someone New Orleans, oh, New Orleans, yeah, everywhere around the world, yeah. oh, New Orleans. And so he says, oh, you know, I love New Orleans. I've been there five times. And I was like, there's no way. that, that uh, And uh, and he said, wow. yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, I love New Orleans. He, he, he told me he would fly into, say, Austin, rent a car, and just drive around the American South from, like, you know, uh, yeah, Austin, Houston, New Orleans, drive up to Memphis. And I was like, that's crazy. I, I, you know, yeah, sure. Let's, let's, he's like, my dream is to build a car. I, I you know, I, I'd love to, to build a car there uh, in New Orleans. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I thought it'll never happen. Like, you know, I don't even have a 911. Uh, it's going to be, you know, it's a pipe dream. And, you know, fast forward uh, a few months later, um, I'm, you know, back in Japan on an extended stay. And I start shopping for, for cars and I, I find a listing on, Probably Yahoo Autos, uh, and it says RWV style, you know, car. It's a, you know, it's it's a 911. It's the pictures aren't great. It's it looks like an RWV, and I, you know, ask the uh, concierge who worked at the desk at the at the apartment, hey, could you help me get in touch with uh, RWV? I figured it was a staff of people, and somebody would answer the phone. They wouldn't speak English, but she called, and the guy picks up, and. Uh, and he says he, he can talk to you. And so he puts him on the phone and tells me a little bit of, you know, I tell him what I'm what I'm looking at. And, you know, here's this car. Here's where it is. And uh, I was wondering if it's if, if you can tell me it's one of the ones you built. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah no, I know the car. And I know the, uh, the dealer. Why don't you come to my factory uh, out in, uh, in Chiba and uh, we can talk about it. And I thought, what a cool opportunity. Uh, absolutely. Yes. I think maybe the next day I. Uh, I got, uh, yeah, got on a train and he told me to, to, to just come to the uh, Sakasai station there and uh, I get to this little sleepy Japanese village and there's, you know, it's raining and I see a, I see a Dodge van uh, with, a, you know, with, with a bunch of stickers on it and it's Nakai, he's uh, flashing his lights at me, I jump in the van, he takes me to his shop 
And uh, yeah, we spent a little while going through uh, photo albums uh, and um, digging into, you know, uh, photos from a few years past of, of different idlers, uh, endurance races. And he tells me a little bit about the car. And uh, and I asked him, look, if I if I was you know interested in this car, could you could you help me to you know refresh it or change you know change the color? And he said, absolutely, I, I want to do it. I don't want to do it unless we you know change the color, bring it back to my factory, you know, uh, uh, sort of personalize it for you. And I thought, sure, that sounds great. I, I mean, his his place is is sort of overwhelming because it's so dense with cars. Uh, they don't have any space at all. He uses every inch of it uh, that he's got. And I didn't want to be a bother, you know, uh, uh, give him some some work to do. But he uh, was really enthusiastic about it. He told me that he would fit me in. You know, he has he has a wall of orders, little sticky notes where he's got people, you know, names and and uh, locations, and and there's two years worth of orders there. And uh, and so he said, it won't be soon, but I can squeeze you in when you know when I can. And I said, yeah, absolutely, I'd uh, I'd love to. And uh, so went out and. Uh, Got the car, got it bought, and on a flatbed to RWB, and then uh, that was where that was where my RWB journey started. So I didn't, I didn't want to. That is amazing. I didn't want to interrupt <laughs> you, but just for the benefit of the listeners, um, old car heads are probably like, "Holy crap!" If you've if you're new to cars or you've been living under a rock for the last fifteen years, um, RWB kind of burst onto the scene what early 20 teens ish yeah yeah i think so um yeah, yeah. he'd been like 2010 so, 2011 so this shop had been around for a while just classic japanese fashion just quiet working in his garage smoking cigarettes um doing a lot of them yeah doing very you know kind of jdm style <laughs> modifications and rebuilds to porsches and I don't know who got a hold of it first, but at some point, 2011-ish time frame, photos in the story of Nakai-san and his shop busted on the internet and it became a frenzy of just, yeah, that's what everybody was talking about. Everybody's doing magazine features on it. Everybody was yeah. arguing on forums about this is bullshit. You know, it's <laughs> Porsche shouldn't be, they ruined what Stuttgart did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or people. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think I'd have to give a little bit of credit to, um, uh, yeah, Brian Scotto uh, of, of Hoonigan and uh, and Mark Arsenal, who kind of brought, you know, RWB over that certainly put it on my radar. And uh, I remember seeing that uh, early photos of that white, uh, Brian's white 964 turbo with the, you know, super loud, you know, uh, uh, twin turbos uh, and, uh, you know, really bright wheels and uh yeah i was thinking wow things so <laughs> wide you know and uh and yeah I mean, and i had probably seen you know all the all the club racing photos it was kind of, sort of there's a lot of wide body forces out there but these just looked a little different they were a little bit more a little more outrageous a little bit uh lower and and some of them were you know lifelong you know uh, uh club racing cars that people you know really did track you know six times eight times a year they showed the, the wear and the scars of, uh, you know, being club racers, you know, wheel to wheel uh, racing. And, and so it was cool, you know, uh, uh, to see, I mean, I, I wanted mine to be kind of clean, but it was, it was neat to see, you know, cars that were driven in Japan and, and some of these, you know, had, had 
patina going on. They were they were rusted. The front the, the the front lip was blasted from you know highway use, and uh, and then I would you know I would end up sort of meeting, becoming friends with a lot of those the owners of those cars that I, I first saw over the next few years, um, just being in and out of Japan. But uh, yeah, different different sort of community uh, uh, in Japan. Getting a chance to experience RWB uh, in Tokyo, in Kashiwa, um, you know, and then uh, uh, and Motegi and and uh, uh, Scuba was really cool. It was um, yeah, probably not a whole lot of a whole lot of foreigners got access to that back in the day. So what? You know, oh, go ahead, Eli. One second, John here. Uh, whenever I hear about RWB, there's always the RWB family is almost synonymous with, with, with those cars. Like it, it's, it seems, uh, there's a real camaraderie and, and intimacy, uh, within not only the customer car community for RWB, but also their, uh, sort of integration, if you will, with the Kai son and, and what he gets up to, uh, you know, every year. There's the idlers race, and as, as you mentioned, the New Year's uh, meeting at the, at the Hard Rock. Uh, how I, I want to ask how that was back then, maybe uh, almost a decade ago, right, or, or a little bit over yeah. that, or, um, to you know maybe what it, it is now because uh, we we're just coming off of Tokyo All Salon weekend. The RWB New Year's meet was maybe a week and a half ago. I saw I've seen some videos, and they did it at a shrine this year instead of mm-hmm. you know the typical. Hard rock, uh, but it looked like a spectacle. Uh, I guess you could say a spectacle yeah, yeah. in the best way possible, but um, more of a of a show rather than like an intimate meeting between RWB family. Right, right. Yeah, no. A lot of that comes from when you hear people talk about the RWB family. It comes from sort of the the you know probably the strength of like Nakai's personality and how you know he. I mean, it's really it started off of being being about him and he. You know, if you've ever visited, been a, been a guest of his, it's it's always the same. You know, hanging out at the hanging out at the shop. You know, he'll either you know he'll order takoyaki or whatever, or you know we'll we'll, we'll grill at the shop. Well, we've got a you know one of his customers that uh, is in Hokkaido and sends seafood all the time. So I just remember like you know grilling uh, crabs and stuff like that, hanging out shooting now shooting pool. He's got a pool table there, but uh, yeah, just the most warm, gregarious, you know, friendly guy, uh, and is. You know the most international person I know too. He's got friends, you know, around the world. He's um, he is sort of samples from all different uh, cultures, and he's, you know, we, we could be up at two in the morning, and he's, you know, we're listening to like early, you know, Bob Marley, and he like, you know, knows all that music, and then and then you know we're listening to Bossa Nova, and he's like, oh yeah, I love, you know, I love Brazil, you know, I I, I go there, you know, uh, you know this time of year, blah blah blah, and he's, you know, uh, definitely. Um, yeah, uh, was eager to put put people on to good experiences, you know, uh, uh, and and what a great host, you know, for uh, he would have, you know, he would he would invite us to sort of, I mean, I think he tossed me the keys to his car one time. I was going on a I was going on a tender date in, in Tokyo, and uh, and I <laughs> I think I was driving around his uh, his Suzuki Every maybe it's one of these K vans where the steering wheel goes, you know. Between your legs, uh, the steering cot, you know, your knees in the crumple zone, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and of course it smells like an ashtray, right? Because it's an RWB company van, and uh, I had been like drive, running back and forth between Tokyo and and Yoka and, and uh, Kashiwa with this with this van, and I, I was taking it to go get it cleaned out, I think, and uh, and he let me, yeah, uh, borrow one. He's like, why don't you take take this and uh, borrow one of his cars, and that was like 
you know, uh, yeah, uh, quite an honor because, uh, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to bang it up, but, um, yeah, made for, made for a good time. I think it was when we were working on my car. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was just without a reason to, you know, he wasn't, uh, surely he wasn't making money off of me and very much of it. Um, uh, he, you know, he gave me a great price to do a color change and we pulled the car apart. Um, and, uh, but I think, you know, I think I got a great deal out of that. And it was just that he wanted, you know, he wanted me to have a good time when I was in Japan and, um, he would, uh, he'd let me know, Hey, we're having a Porsche day. You should make sure to come, you know, to come to it. And I said, well, you know, I'm over in, over in Texas, you know, I'll try to change my flight. And, uh, one time in particular, he told me, uh, he said, you should, uh, you should try to come. It was a Motegi, uh, it was a scuba Porsche day. And I said, uh, okay, I'll see, I'll see what I can do. And he said, we have a special guest also from Louisiana. And I said, who could this be, you know, from Louisiana? And so I do, I, ch- I change my flight. I get to RWB at like, uh, uh, yeah, six in the morning or whatever. And, uh, we're, we're about to caravan out to scuba and he's got Rotana, his turbo race car, 993 under a blanket. And he says, I got something to show you. And he pulls the blanket back and the back of the Rotana says Baton Rouge. You know, he just sort of like, it also says like New York times, like, you know, Marina Bay Sands. He just sort of draws for these big, t- big, you know, face, you know, uh, uh, graphics enthusiast, but I'm like, uh, what's this about? And he says, well, you know, uh, it's not just for you, but like, uh, um, we've got another, we've got another guy from Louisiana here today. And it turns out to be, uh, Frank Ocean, uh, the, you know, the, yeah, uh, also known, yeah, 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 also known as, uh, uh, Lonnie bro. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, stage name Frank Ocean. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, we're, I, I was a huge fan, um, of, of nostalgia ultra and of channel orange which had already come out and uh and yeah so i'm like you know uh couldn't believe uh, my luck I, I learned about this like the day of and a couple hours later we see him at uh at scuba we're just hanging out in the pits and um you know a van a, a, you know ias or a nissan el Grande shows up and a bunch of guys jump out and it's yeah frank and some of his friends and uh uh, he's a huge car guy. We we talk about his BMW projects and all kinds of stuff. We were there shooting some content, shooting some sales and video and stuff like that. In fact, I don't know if you if you saw on uh, Blonde the like one, some of the artwork for Blonde was uh, was him wearing an RWB helmet. It was actually um, uh, uh, Toshi Nakai's international manager uh, Toshi's helmet, his race helmet. Uh, oh and, shit! Uh, yeah, yeah. And so they uh, they were over in Japan for probably a week or two, uh, bombing around in RWVs and you know drift cars and stuff like that. But uh, that was kind of neat. I I also got got to meet a few other people that came through when we were when we were I was over there and they would sort of uh, uh, link up just because they didn't know anybody that spoke spoke English and wanted to sort of be shown around. Uh, I think Nakai put me in touch with uh, Magnus Walker one time, and it was probably about twenty. Lenny, I'm not sure if you were. If you uh, cruised with us that one night, we went to Daikoku uh, and Tatsumi with was, uh, Magnus. I was there, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, 2015? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, during the, probably the height of, like, uh, yeah, um, Outlaw Porsche, you know, Fever, mm-hmm. uh, the short film had come out, and uh, and he had come to, um, I don't know, to, to, to have a couple of engagements. I think he, there was a there was a Porsche shop that was hosting him, and, and we did some some different uh, mountain runs up Hakone or uh, 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 Scuba. If I remember correctly, that poor shop had built a replica of his. Uh, yes. Was the two four four car? Two seven seven. Yeah. 
Uh, the 277, sorry. Yeah, the 277 yeah, yeah. car. And that was a very clean replica. And it yeah, ran yeah. It was neat. quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was cool. I uh, I remember uh, uh, trying to keep up with him. And he was, uh, I think he, he, he had traded a few different cars. Of course, he was being somewhat of a somewhat of a celebrity. People were just sort of handing over the keys. And uh, we went up to Mount yeah. Scuba. And he, was, um, uh, he went for a... Uh, it was in an orange car, an RSR style from from Crosspoint twenty uh, Crosspoint uh, twenty five, the Porsche shop, and uh, and he also went for a blast um, with uh, I believe it was uh, Kanosan, the you know the the, the black turbo dwarf uh, uh, banner, uh, Blackbird style, uh, big time idlers guy, yeah, and he got out of that and he was like, oh my gosh, it, that that was a lot of fun, uh, uh, yeah, we went twenty five cars or so up and down the mountains and. Uh, uh, yeah, good time. Um, so got a, got a chance to show him around. Super, super good guy. He had, you know, anytime you meet somebody with a, you know, who's known, you're like, I don't know what, what sort of person this and ended up being like the most genuine enthusiast. Uh, uh love getting to know him and, uh, and show him around. And then shortly after that, he sent me, uh, sent me an invitation to join them at, uh, at, uh, Ren Sport Reunion, which is a big Porsche thing in California. It's happening again, uh, this year as well. Uh, but yeah, good time. Uh, they had a couple of Japanese buddies who had met him over there, come back and, we did the whole run so, to uh, Laguna Seca. This, I I love all of these like spinoff interactions that you have, and I love <laughs> that about like if you, just car stuff and like you know you network with people and then like things kind of evolve into other things and on and on. But I do want to kind of get back to your, I guess, journey, if you will. Sure. A little bit of what I love about this is, so you kind of, you crash in at your parents for a couple of weeks, work on your thesis, and you have a chance meeting with Nakaya-san. Yeah. And then you kind of Forrest Gump your way into special access with a person that everybody's looking for. And, you know, you maybe yeah. didn't even realize how special it was at the time. Um, but what... So when you came back to Japan and you were shopping, like what were you there for? Uh, I, I was just going to, so I guess I was going to take the whole summer uh, uh, and, and spend it in Japan while I was uh, still working on, on my thesis, still working on, uh, on the LSAT. And I was like, you know, summertime, I had uh, I just gotten really into fly fishing and, uh, and uh, it was cheaper to go around the world. This is a bit of a tangent, but anyway, wound up in Tokyo <laughs> with no plans really. And, okay. uh, and I was, uh, yeah. Uh, and so I, I, uh, started sort of getting into, into, uh, more car stuff ended up finding this project. So I'll stick around and see this through. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it was basically, uh, uh, after I'd located a car and I, I had a little bit of an open-ended, uh, time, I told the guy, I said, you know, if this takes three or four months, whatever. Um, I'm happy to help out. That's another thing, you know, he, he was a little bit surprised by my willingness to, uh, you know, sand, wet sand bumpers and do a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, uh, apprentice work, uh, help him work on cars. And I guess, I guess it was about that point that he said, well, you know, we have in June, we've got, uh, this 12 hour endurance race coming up and I have customers from all over the world, friends, uh, uh, and customers come over and we, we're going to field six cars this year. And, uh, and I got a lot of work. If you want, if we're going to get your car done, you might have to help me out with, and I said, I'm, that's more than fair. I'd love to. And uh, I was driving like every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We had a Toyota, uh, I guess it was a Toyota Wish. Um, 
it was a wish or a picnic, I can't remember, um, a little minivan, and I would drive, yeah, Highway 6 through Matsudo every day from Tokyo to uh, to uh, Kashiwa, and uh, and we'd work on cars and stuff like that. So we had, yeah, it gave me gave me kind of a dirty job of, uh, of you know, gutting some of the interior of these cars. We would have, uh, you know, customer cars that would come in with, you know, they would need a brake job or whatever. We'd kind of, um, you know, shuffling cars around, working on stuff. Um, sometimes fetching cars from across the city uh, at another location where RWB has a garage um, in Yokohama. And uh, those are fun missions. Sometimes we'd go at like the middle of the night and, uh, you know, wind up, you know, eating ramen with three or four Porsches in Yokohama at two in the morning. Um, but a lot of cool chance encounters, meeting some customers of his. Uh, so eventually I, I ended up uh, sort of taking up residence at, at RWB. And I remember getting like to this day when I go to, you know, uh, uh, buy an Amazon package. He's asked me if he wants to send me, send a package to RWB because I used to literally get my mail there. Uh, so I would, uh, uh, he had an, a spare room where he used to live in uh, and he built an addition on the back of the uh, shop. And so I took his old room and um, yeah, I, uh, working on, uh, on his schedule, which was extremely strange. It was very nocturnal. It was, uh, part of it was that he had no, you know, he was always in and out of the country uh, going to build. So he had no particular you know, uh, uh, schedule, but, but the days that he was in Japan, it was pretty hard to get work done with people always stopping by. So we'd work at night and he would tell me, okay, we're going to start at 10 o'clock. So I'd sleep during the day and we'd, we'd start working at 10 o'clock and, uh, go get breakfast in the morning. And his, you know, we'd pick a, we'd take a car or, or a, one of the K cars. I've never seen anybody drive a K car, uh, like he can. And we're just, you know, flying through these towns, go get breakfast. You know, I go back to Tokyo, he'd go back to his shop and eventually, just logistically, I wasn't going back to my share house, the cheap, you know, 1500 in a night share house that I had. And so I just got, got my suitcase and uh, brought it to RWB and started staying there. And so, yeah, uh, definitely a crazy time in life where it was, you know, things were open-ended. I didn't have any ties back, you know, in Texas or Louisiana that I had to, you know, maintain. And I, I eventually sort of postponed my, uh, my, you know, grad school stuff altogether. I had three people on my committee, my, you know, thesis committee. One died, one retired, and so I'm like, uh, you know, do I go back and try to restart this thing, or do I just, you know, uh, see what this is? And uh, so it was, yeah, great time. It's terribly irresponsible in hindsight to go off to Japan with no plan, but it was really lucky, and um, and yeah, uh, it was only possible because of the really uh, uh, very kind, very uh, uh, you know gracious people that I met along the way who who um, yeah put me onto some cool experiences. Okay, so you are the car version of Tom Cruise's Last Samurai. Got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so how long did it take to finish that first build? Like, when did it actually get buttoned up? Uh, we probably finished it at the end of the summer. So it was okay. like uh, pretty much summer long. I I, uh, I think we, uh, yeah, uh, idlers came and went. I think I, I think I drove that year. Uh, and that was that was quite an experience. Uh, don't even think I would do it now, knowing what, knowing you know how, how chaotic it would be. If you've seen an idler's you know 12-hour endurance race, it's everybody runs together. So there could be a guy in a cappuccino uh, and a guy in a Huracan GT4, you know, and and you know they're sharing a track. There's a guy in a Citroen 2CV who's doing you know half the speed down the straight, and he's uh, he's you know lifting a wheel, and then you you know you have a guy in a, in a in a GT3 RS 4.0, you know, uh, and a half a million dollar Porsche now, uh, you know, uh, flying by everybody. So just just wild. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a cool experience. Uh, 
to be a part of. I knowing the liability of it, you know, because you had people spin out in a busy corner, you know, someone dropped coolant and it caused a number. Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, they say if you can't afford to wreck them, you can't afford to race them. And I Fact. could not afford to wreck them. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing racing them, but it went well. I wasn't very fast. I got back to the, you know, and a guy was, he was running around, you know, managing six cars and you could just tell by the smell of the car, you know, this driver, this driver, you know, cooked the brakes, this driver, you know, is not paying attention to our, to our, you know, shift limits. And, uh, you know, we had some people who were pretty serious drivers back in their home country, and they would bang on these things like it was their GT3 Cup car that they're used to racing. And these are these are Porsches from the 1990s. They're, you know, they're stock cars with, uh, you know, some of them have, have you know, 3.8 ITVs, whatever. But, uh, uh, yeah, keep getting all these things to the finish line and working on cars that were super hot, leaking oil or whatever was uh, so hectic, but a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm... I'd love to go back and, and watch it again, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I feel brave enough to, to mix it up with those guys again. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've spoken to a few people who have done uh, the Adler's 12 hours endurance races at Scuba or, or Twin Ring, Motegi, and that they say the same thing. It's just the chaos from start to finish. And, you know, especially when you have international guests or people who, who just uh, don't know or don't understand, you know, the limits of, of of what those cars are running for endurance races, yeah, they're not really modified. They're they're pretty stock for that reliability, to be able to run twelve hours consecutively. Um, and yeah, I, I've I've heard stories from Dino where uh, one of the RWBs like he went off the course, like you said, and I think that's still not been repaired. I, I don't want to uh, say it's Rotunda. It's the other ones, the pink one. Oh, uh, Adriana. Yeah, Adriana, Adriana has been through yeah. a couple a couple of lives since then. Yeah, it did. That was actually one of the cars that we. Uh, uh, for, actually, I drove it twice. So first year I drove uh, Ramintra, which is the green, you know, army green, uh, uh, you know, battle wagon of a of an endurance car. You know, very patina, flat color. Um, and then another time I, I drove wrote, uh, uh, Adriana, which had just gotten a fresh coat of paint. Yeah, unfortunately, one of our drivers had an off, and I guess I guess he went backwards and collected some some dry grass under it and burned you know on the exhaust that one came back to the pits with a little bit of a damage i don't think it, it returned uh uh out there on the track for that time but it, it has been repaired by now and in fact effect is probably wider than it used to be um it's probably going through its fourth iteration yeah <laughs> when it's broke make it wider yeah yeah Basically. exactly and that's and that's you know the, the one thing that was cool to see was um you know because I, I saw rotana uh you know, being developed, uh, Nakai's, you know, new engine from front row, uh, mass, you know, he take it to the track and, you know, he was, I think he was even surprised at how, how fast it was, you know, uh, the original RWB car, Stella Artois was, you know, at another Porsche shop that I would visit, uh, you know, kind of quietly under, under the wraps, uh, you know, going through a, a, a refresh as well. And I think, you know, pound for pound, nobody's gotten more enjoyment out of their 911, maybe somebody like Jack Olson's not, you know, uh, uh, black, you know, uh, 911, but but nobody's gotten more enjoyment out of a 911 chassis than Nakai with that Stella Artois. He said it's been through something like 15 iterations. You know, every every RWB concept ever has been has been trialed and and sort of track tested on Rotana. It's been you know a narrow body, a wide body, bolt-on, smooth fenders, crashed, rebuilt, you know, four or five different engines. And raced all the time. Uh, in fact, the, the fact that I saw it sitting for a year was was kind of rare because that that you know 
nobody nobody really beats on their 911 like Nikai does with that with that car and it was just, you know it was it was his first one it was about finding you know finding out what it could do back when he was um you know working at a body shop and i guess he could afford a 911 and you know uh, got a chance to play with it he um he introduced me to a guy Yamazaki who helped helped him sort of tune the cars uh back in the day and, and still does work for him and uh the reverence that everybody has for Nikai Nikai has for Yamazaki uh, he has, you know, he says, this guy is like a God to me. If he told me to stop making cars, I would do it. And I thought, wow, that's, that's, that's wild. That's but he powerful. said everything. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he said, uh, he has, you know, Kamiwaza, he has God's hand. And I was like, <laughs> wow, uh, that this, uh, this guy could be so good at wrenching on Porsches. And, uh, no, it was cool. Um, uh, I, I met, you know, the guy that makes the, the body stuff, uh, for uh, Nakachi, I bought a set of uh, 993, sorry, 996 GT3 seats off of him. Uh, really nice old old fellow who does the, uh, uh, you know, all the molds and stuff like that, and brings over uh, manufactured body parts. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, neat experience. So, so <clears throat> you you got this apprenticeship with Nakai. Uh, if, if, is that would that be correct in saying that apprenticeship? You get you're building you're building your 964 RWB Porsche alongside Nakai, mm-hmm. uh, hand in hand. You're doing idlers. You're you're basically a, a monkey wrench for Nakai. Wh- what else is going on during that time? Ah, uh, let's see. Uh, I mean, I, at the time I was still not on a real Japanese visa, so I was going 90 days at a time. I was bouncing back and forth. Um, but uh, you know those 30 day stints. Uh, it was it was kind of neat because the RWB community is so international now. I you know uh, got an invitation one time to bounce over to Thailand to to renew my my visa. So I I went over there, uh, got to meet all the guys at RWB Auto House in Thailand, uh, which is a great operation. Those guys have some really really cool cars. And uh, I think the first night there, you know, uh, they send a van to pick me up, and uh, and I'm just you know just there killing time. And we go to some guy's house. He's got a Ferrari Dino bolted on the roof of his of his house. He owns, you know, uh, Singha Brewery or whatever. <laughs> so just random stuff like that. R R W E, you know, the diaspora throughout the world. Uh, it was really cool. Um, uh, but yeah, no, uh, uh, running around doing errands. Sometimes, uh, you know, uh, for the for the end of the year parties, we would go grab people from uh, from the airport and uh, show them around. We'd all meet up at. Uh, Tokyo Tower and go cruising through through uh, Tokyo and and of course uh, uh, the day to day stuff uh, uh, involved a lot of late nights uh, running the highways. That's how I met uh, you, Lenny. Is uh, is uh, you know I live pretty close to Tokyo Tower and so I could hear the I could hear the cars and I could just tell like it's going to be a good night. Uh, so I'm going to go see what I can get into and uh, yeah, little by little, 930 yen at a time for tolls, hundreds of times probably. Uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> Uh, going out there, I, I'd hate to tally it all up, but I had I had a um, dash full or a glove box absolutely packed with receipts. And uh, <laughs> once I figured out how to stay on the highway, um, like you were explaining in a recent episode, you know, uh, making the change at Hakuzaki, you know, going down the Yokohama and back, um, that was the routine. So I'd love to take people out that I met over there or that, you know, uh, would come through uh, and, and uh, I'd show them sort of what Tatsumi and Daikoku uh, were all about. Ended up meeting uh, um, yeah, uh, foreigners there for Otterslon or, or living there. Uh, met our, our pal Johnny over there. 
Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I would just go get invitations randomly to, you know, hey, follow us to, to OIPA for coffee. And, you know, you'd hop on and, or people that you never talked to because, you know, I had very limited Japanese at the time, but people who would, who you'd sort of see on the highway and mix it up for a minute. And then five minutes later, you know, they buy you a coffee and walk over and say, hey, you know, uh, just uh, uh, kind of neat. Uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't a serious loop runner. I had 260 horsepower in my, you know, 91, 911. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't setting any records, but, um, but it was kind of fun. I would, uh, you know, sometimes I'd leave out and, uh, and someone's pulled over to one of these, you know, uh, uh, sort of curbs and you, you fly by them and they switch on their headlights and, and run you down. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just sort of a cat and mouse game, but I, uh, I try to take it easy and not, uh, not, you know, uh, mix it up with, cause you do have to be, have a little respect for, for being, uh, in traffic, right? It's, if you're nine o'clock at, at night and on the C1, it's full of taxis. It's full of, yeah. there were times where you Locker. could, you know, you could let loose. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the thing is that, that, you know, you hear some horror stories of foreigners who get in trouble, you know, uh, uh, and you think, yeah, that's the one thing I don't want to do is, is, uh, is endanger anybody. But then again, there are times where it's only you and a bunch of, uh, a bunch of your friends. And, uh, I think we went, we ran up to, um, Gunma or something like that, you know, and they did the toge one, one time and it's a little safer than being out, out on the streets in Tokyo. But, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of good random trips to go, uh, uh, friends of friends, probably friends that I met at Daikoku said, um, uh, one of them said, uh, do you like belly dancing? And I was like, I, I guess no more or less than the next, the next guy. And he goes, okay. Cause my wife is belly dancing at this balloon festival, or whatever, two prefectures over and it's in Gunma and we're going to go, you know, we're going driving. <laughs> So we go check into a hotel. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just saying yes to this. And so we go to this to this hotel. We check in. I'm ready to hit the to to hit the you know, well it wasn't a bed. It was a tatami mat. I'm ready to to, to pass out because we've been driving all day. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, and they are like, no, no, no. We're going driving. And so we get you know we get we get on the highway and we're you know until 4 a.m. or till the sun comes up. We're driving these. Uh, and I'm like, when when were we planning on sleeping? Uh, uh, but anyway. Go to the, the balloon festival. It was perfectly fine, but I think uh, yeah, uh, driving was uh, it was really neat. I think we ended up at Ebisu. Uh, it was it was a long <laughs> three day trip. That is yeah. a huge trip. That is a oh, man. big <laughs> trip. Uh, okay, so I want uh, there's there's more to your experience here, and we got like 10, 20 minutes, so I want to try and cram it in. So first car gets built, and you uh -huh. take it back to the u.s yeah is that right yeah yeah and then uh, which in, yeah on. it ended up being a, a little bit ill so, yeah i got to houston uh i started uh you know getting back eventually not that the money runs out but you got responsible you know i got uh buying cars in uh in tokyo was good but eventually you got to come back and work and pay for it and so i think you know i tried to extend my stay as long as i could i uh uh, but it, it came to a point where like I gotta you know get on to the next thing, and so uh, yeah, I yeah I imported um, cars back as it happens. I run across another project. It was an '86 930 Turbo um, that uh, was sort of an imperiled project. I think you know the way I heard it, um, maybe the guy's you know wife found out that he was secretly building this car and he got into a little bit of trouble and. And she said something like, it's me or the car. Oh, uh, my God. Anyway, so, yeah, yeah. So so I was lucky to find it. 
Um, but actually it was, uh, it was going to be for my dad. He, uh, he, uh, had an interest. He loves the nine eleven shape and, uh, and he, um, you know, wanted a special car. It ended up being a lot more car when it came to, when it was, when it was going through tuning and, and I was watching the dyno pools. I'm thinking, mm, this is, this is a lot of this. This is a, ended up being about 660 wheel horsepower, uh, no driver aid, you know, uh, a nine six Holy. five gearbox, yeah, three point six twin plugged race motor with a big seventy four millimeter turbo Oof. and a four hundred cubic inch, you know, uh, uh, intercooler out of like a, you know, WRX rally car or something like that. It was just a, it, a lot. You know, it had an RSR cam, so it had a crazy chop to it, and uh, it was kind of it was kind of menacing. And my dad wasn't that wasn't his idea of fun and so we but, but we were sort of already into it and i was like you know look if you can if you can give me the the, the time to to buy this off of you i'll, I'll do it and so it, it took quite a long time uh, uh to finally to, to finally buy him out of it but um yeah so so we ended up shipping a pair of cars home uh, uh kind of a a long gun style you know uh, uh street racers you know 930 uh in the style of of blackbird and uh, and then my RWB, which was, you know, it was a stock motor, but lightened a good bit. We uh, got FRP panels all the way around. Uh, no more glass except for the windshield. Uh, lightweight uh, flywheel and RS clutch. Um, and so it it feels a lot. You know, it's it's geared short. Uh, it's it's not a highway car, but uh, but it was great for something like scuba. And um, and so yeah, uh, kind of a, a one pair to do it all. So like the highway stuff for cruising, and then. And, and you know going fast and then the uh, the short uh, circuit car and so yeah sent those back to uh, to uh, Houston uh, and about four months later I unpacked them and um, uh, brought them home and uh, only only about six or eight months later actually I was driving the car in Louisiana and had uh, had a little bit of hydroplaning accident and some uh, heavy rain probably shouldn't have been driving it was uh, I was daily driving that car for a couple of weeks uh, uh, after my, my grandmother had a heart attack, so I uh, ran over to Louisiana to visit, and that was the car that was there. So I should have been in my Land Cruiser, which was safely parked in Houston, but uh, driving around in the RWV and, uh, yeah, uh, uh, hit some standing water and went backwards off the highway and uh, ended up uh, thinking about rebuilding it, but uh, ended up uh, going back to Japan with a with an insurance check in hand and, and looking for another base car, and that's where I kind of got to live the whole uh, you know, the whole experience over again. So, uh, so kind of neat, uh, that we, yeah. Yeah. Quick question. So the black car that was at first for your dad, and then you ended up taking mm -hmm. over that one was built by Promodet. Yes. So Promodet is a shop over in Saitama that, uh, that does big horsepower, uh, uh, nine 11. So they've got, you know, some time trial cars, uh, a, a number of idlers, uh, endurance cars, but mostly like, you know, uh, yeah, time attack stuff. Uh, there's a 993, a, a red one uh, called Phoenix that actually uh, helped Nakai with when it was over RWB. It's called Phoenix because it caught on fire and uh, was rebuilt. <laughs> uh, yeah, but every time I see that car, it's got something new going on. You know, a huge Voltex wing, a, a huge, you know, uh, uh, front canard. And that car has really, the owner is really pushing it uh, to see, you know, what he can wring out of it. And uh, yeah, he, he's got uh, he's got a lot of uh, time and money into developing that car, but uh, Promenade does you know really insane, huge single turbo and twin turbo builds, 
Um, they do, uh, they're, they're somewhat famous for, for their hand-bent titanium exhausts. Um, there's one guy that, that does all of that, and he's literally, you know, with a torch and a, you know, uh, and, and, a, and a tube, and he's, you know, making these equal length headers, which, you know, it's a shame they're hidden under the car because they're kind of a work of art. Um, anywhere I've brought the car over in Houston, they get it up on the lift, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, all, all the techs come out to take a look because it is really neat. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, when, when people see them over here, they think, oh, my gosh, it's an old-school way of doing things, you know, with a Motec, uh, you know, M4 or whatever uh, in the back seat and, you know, uh, a little bit rudimentary. You know, there's no need for, for that anymore. Now we've got more advanced methods, but this is sort of a time capsule of, you know, of Japanese Porsche tuning. And uh, yeah, it has been, uh, that one's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a whole lot of car. It doesn't like to sit in traffic. It, it, it wants to rev and rev. Uh, when you get it on the highway, it just, uh, I, think the, I think the cutoff, the fuel cutoff is something like 8,000 RPM, uh, up from 7,000 RPM. So got a big shift light that uh, lets you know to shift. And, um, and it is, uh, it's a handful. Wait, um, okay. But so my question is, if after your, you know, life-changing experience with RWB building your car. How did you, like, why, how did you end up going to Promodet for that car and not, like, hitting Nakai-san up yeah. and being like, hey, build me another one? Well, uh, actually, it was a car that uh, uh, Promodet had had for another customer, and it was a it was a stock body car. I actually uh, uh, did find out from Nakai later on that he had uh, sort of considered buying it uh, and then and then widening it and making it his you know a second turbo race car, uh, but it was uh, this sounds like bragging, but he's like it's, it was a little fast for what I was looking to do. Uh, it's a little too much power for for uh, for scuba circuit, and it's you know I already got a car for Motegi, which is you know uh, Rotana, you know Rotana, and um, uh, so I thought about I mean it was sort of already in the style of of the Blackbird, which I had you know read about. I I, I got I guess I um, you know. There's a lot of things about Blackbird that are that are incorrect on the internet, and you sure. never, you might never ever uncover the real story. But I thought, wow, this is basically the same car, you know, in the same spec, by a shop that might or might not have had, you know, involvement in one or two iterations of the original Blackbird before. And um, yeah, I got a chance to look into some photo books and you know memorabilia in Promodet in, in Comenet's office at Promodet, and he was, you know, very of course hush hush. He's like, you know. At, there's magazines and, and people's eyes are blacked out with a bar, you know, sensor bar. And it's like, wow, there's a lot of cool history here. Uh, you know, don't look under that cover, you know, it's no pictures. And it was, so it was kind of neat, but I got to watch him hand port the, the, you know, the cylinders, uh, the, the heads and uh, build this car uh, over there. And it was kind of perfect as it was. I mean, a lot of choices had already been made and it was sort of a complete, you know, build already. Uh, but it was just, you know, the engine was split in two halves and we had to choose Cams, rockers, you know, uh, owls, things like that. And so, yeah, a little bit of testing and tuning. I remember he sent me a bill from uh, uh, the, the the bill from Promenade included a, a couple grand in uh, holes and uh, gas uh, uh, station fill-ups. He ran the car up to Hokkaido uh, uh, just one night, uh, and he said, "Yeah, I just, you know, we like to tune on the street." And I'm thinking. That's crazy. Like they had a, they had a, a, a dyno, but he but he gave it a shakedown, and he drove something like sixteen hundred miles uh, up to uh, up to Hokkaido. <laughs> Got a couple was, of speeding tickets. To how, how what the distance yeah. from Tokyo to Hokkaido is? It's oh, quite so, a distance. something something crazy. Not not sixteen hundred, uh, but it's you know it's a long drive. 
uh, and uh, and he said, yeah, uh, he handed over the car. I think I think he told Dino, and Dino sort of told me, you know, he he says that you know after that test drive, he's like, just be careful. This car is scary quick, you know, and uh, and I think he probably enjoyed uh, testing and tuning. And he asked me, you know, what fuel do you have in, in Texas? And I said, oh, you know, we have a we have high octane. Well, what's high, how many octane? And so I'm looking it up, and he's he's looking it up and converting MON to RON, and we're like, you know, testing. What's the humidity like? And we're testing and tuning for Texas over there in Japan, but, uh, it was, it was neat. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that was, that was cool to run into. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I didn't have the heart to, to, to cut up the stock body on, uh, on a, on a 930, uh, cause it's already pretty wide. You know, people say, people look at it and say, is that how wide it is from the factory? Yeah. It's, it's a stock turbo body. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. with the right tire and fitment, it really does look wide, but, uh, yeah, then, then a TBK auto garage bumper, just like the Blackbird, uh, uh has, Ooh. Uh, and I think that was mostly functional. You know, they have a huge oil cooler in the front, um, and he wants these huge halogen lights, you know, to, uh, to be able to see far into the distance when you're humming along. You need a lot more lighting. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, kind of ready to go um, or ready to finish when I found it. And so we just sort of let it be what it was what it was uh, intended to be. And so there wasn't any any hard feelings about you going to a, a different Porsche shop with Nakai-san? No, no. Actually, at, at the same time, uh, uh, so because Nakai is mostly doing, well, he's only doing body work over at, over at RWB. Right. Um, they have an engine shop for rebuilds uh, across town in Yokohama. But uh, uh, he would have, actually, his his uh, original RWB race car was uh, uh, Stella Artois was over at Promet at the same time that my car was being worked on and it was getting a crazy engine build as well. So I think they're old friends and they work together quite well. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. And actually probably he helped me coordinate, you know, uh, uh, purchasing that other car. So Okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Okay. So you had mentioned that, so you got the, you got the red car, you got the black car, you crashed the red car yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh my God, I can't go on like this. And like, I'm just curious, like, what kind of circumstances were you in? Because you basically relived the whole saga again, right? Yeah, yeah. This time for a shorter time. It was, it wasn't, you know, uh, it started off being a summer thing again. And uh, and yeah, basically, I said, well, one, you know, one more, uh, one more hurrah. I had enough savings to live off of uh, uh, cheaply just for, just for a few more. Um, you know, a couple more months. And, and then toward the end of it, it was like, you know, I, it was really itinerary. I was, it was, I think I had given up my, uh, accommodations. I was like basically living out of a suitcase thrown in the front of the car. And I went up to Hokkaido, uh, uh, to, uh, to Nico, uh, and, uh, I went camping, car camping out of the RWB for like a week. It was probably crazy to like the Japanese people, uh, uh, to see like a foreigner, like, you know, get out and like, you know, uh, yeah, grab a tent out of his car and then like walk over to the lake and then, you know, set up the tent, but it was cool. I got, I got, that was a new experience. Um, learned that, uh, even in Japan, even in, while they're camping, Japanese people wake up and they do their calisthenics, their exercises. And so we're like overlooking, you know, uh, the mountains and we're all doing our each knee. Son, she, yeah. Anyway, that was wild. I thought there's no days off when you, uh, when, when it comes to your stretches, no, rest days. no, no, no. <laughs> we were all getting good and limber. Um, Anyway, no. So uh, yeah, then eventually I was just like, it's time. And I and I they asked, do you want to do you want a flatbed? And I was like, no, I'll save the money. I was pretty tapped out. And I drove the car to uh, to the shipping yard in Yokohama. And um, and the guys, you know, look at me kind of like I'm crazy because I, you know, uh, 
I drove myself there and I just take grab you know leaving the keys and uh, and they're they're trying to figure out because the car is so low they're trying to figure out how to load it into the container without <laughs> scraping and I basically like you know supervised it or I drove it on I drove it on for them and they you know so they didn't have to worry about it. and I just uh, walked off you know uh, to go hail a cab or whatever and get back to Tokyo and uh, they were probably like what in the world's going on but uh, yeah and then that was kind of the end of it I I uh, I booked my ticket and um, uh, as it as it happened. Uh, uh, everybody was going to SEMA and this is like in 2017. And so Nakai's like, you know, why don't you go to us, go with us to SEMA. And so I helped a bunch of Japanese, uh, friends around Las Vegas for a couple of days. And, um, we drove, we drove the cars around, uh, uh during the show. That was, that was good fun. Uh, got a chance to, to drive Nakai's, uh, one of his U S cars around California. Uh, and that was cool. So when, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of the end of it. <laughs> so when you did when you went back, did you take the wrecked car back and rebuild it, or did you get a different base? No, it, it ended up being uh, pretty substantially damaged. You know, it took took damage right to the to the rear cross member, uh, you know, right in front of the engine. So it shifted the uh, engine and transmission back a bit, and uh, it was a write off. I wanted to start with a clean slate, so I I. Um, uh, went back planning to buy a stock car and then build it in New Orleans or or Houston, depending on wherever it was convenient. And um, and we ended up uh, ended up talking to you know kind of had kept up a network and found a car in Nagoya. And the guy was a restaurant owner. His uh, the, you know, car was not a good fit for his life at this time. It was you know very loud. I think when we drove it, it was uh, you know. Uh, it's like 120 degrees inside the car because it had no windows. Uh, it had just a little <laughs> slot. And uh, so I'm just like dying in the heat. We're driving a black car around uh, Nagoya in the summertime. And uh, and oh, we came to, came, yeah, yeah, came to an agreement and uh, shipped the car up to RWV and did it all over again. Um, uh, this time, you know, uh, at a little bit quicker pace. Um, but, but we basically pulled it all apart, new suspension, changed the color, this one was already uh, kind of stripped out. It was it was a race car. It had spent a couple of seasons, uh, and so we gutted what was left of the interior. If it wasn't necessary, we tossed it. I mean, there's no wiper bottle. There's no heat, AC, audio, anything. Um, tried to get it as light as we can, and uh, yeah, that was the. I think I think uh, the last uh, one of the last uh, sort of christening moments of, of working on that car was uh, I wasn't sure if it was going to be done in time, and I had a little had some plans to go to a, to a little event and wanted to bring somebody with me. And uh, Nikai said, I think we'll be done. And as just as soon as we slapped a sticker on it and the paint was probably still drying, uh, uh, I was ready to go. But it was like 10, 10 p.m. And, uh, you know, RWB is in, a, is in Kashua. It's a very sleepy retirement village. So Nakai stuffed a couple of uh, rags, microfiber towels, in the exhaust. And we pushed the car outside. Uh, and... We and, he, and there's like a little family mart, you know, around the corner. And he says, "I want you to start in third gear, and you know, uh, keep it in third gear till you get around the corner. Stop at the family mart and then pull these towels." And so I just, it was like the, the coolest thing. I, I remember, like he, we were both kind of laughing as he's like pushing me down the hill. I like, you know, jump. I like push start the car, drop the clutch, and you know, get over there, pull it, and I go on and and it's uh, it's uh, a little opening of a of a bar, a karaoke bar in Tokyo, and. Um, got a chance to uh, take a take a. I remember strapping my date in the car, and there's like harnesses, and she's like in a she's like in a nice you know dress, and I'm like you know like sorry, uh, I'm I'm like all dirty from working on the car, 
And uh, so it was just kind of surreal. But, uh, good times over in Tokyo. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, babe. It's race car night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, uh, had to help her with her harness, and I'm not sure that was her idea of of, of fun, but uh, it was it was fun. Uh, the kicker was that um, she was a singer for Tokyo Disney, and so um, when this when we went to this karaoke bar, um, and it was her turn on the mic. Everybody was kind of like awestruck. It was like a cool moment because she was basically a professional. And uh, anyway, it was a good time. Nice. So, do you still you still have both uh, the Black Nine Thirty yeah. and the Nine yeah, Six Four? Yeah. I do. do you still yeah. drive them uh, regularly? I do not as often as I should. I've been doing uh, I've been doing other stuff. It's kind of hard to have two things going on, two two hobbies, two passions at once. But lately, I've been. Uh, I've been doing a lot less driving and a little bit of, of flying. I'm trying to make a career change, trying to get out of the home building biz with all of my, you know, fingers intact. And uh, uh, that uh, little Piper Cherokee that takes all of my time and money now. It's like a, uh, it's like a, if you had a 1967 Volkswagen and you had to, you know, maintain it in such a way that you could drive it around full throttle all the time and it, and it cannot break. So it's we're going through annual inspection and it's costing a whole bunch of money right now, yeah. and so the cars are sort of on the back burner. They're in storage, um, uh, not long term storage, but I, I I pull them out, go go get them inspected and drive them for you know on nice weather days. But uh, no, hoping to get back to them more. But uh, Houston's also a lot less fun to drive in than uh, than Japan, where the roads are good and and there's elevation and yeah. and there are mountains and stuff like that. Uh, you know, there, there is a different, there's a driving culture here. We have, you know, when I first got to Japan, got, got here from Japan, Texas 2K was a big thing. You know, people driving thousand horsepower supers all night on the highways. And I got just a little bit crazy. You know, I, I, I did some of that when I was first here, I'd bring the, the Promodet to meets and people thought it was really cool, but you know, you start going to those and you see you know, people pulling guns and, uh, you know, people smashing <laughs> cars and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I'm, uh. And then they start handing out felony speeding tickets, you know, like candy because uh, they're trying to crack down street racing. I'm like, well, I'm not trying to, you know, lose my driver's license over, uh, you know, racing some guy in a Mustang. Uh, nothing against Mustangs. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, different culture entirely. Dude, uh, <laughs> I totally wow. get it because that was, that was one of the biggest things that was impressed upon me when I, I spent this last summer in Florida and, and I had the, the Grand Sport there. And – as cool as it was to pull up to the beach in this wild, you know, 60 year old big block thing. Um, mm -hmm. the driving in Florida was so mind numbingly boring. Yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't really use the car for anything except for pulling up at the beach in this crazy 60 year old car. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing of it, and it's uh, we do you know within the confines of like you know it is what it is a concrete jungle. We do have a, a cool group of uh, some people that I first met when I when I came to Houston uh, uh, around sort of sort of a little bit of a culture around a uh, Chinese uh, food truck uh, called the Rice Box, uh, and and we sort of started our little coffee meetings, and we and so yeah every every Sunday morning we've got you know a, a coffee spot. It's uh, informal, and we all bring the cars out and stuff. We still do that. But uh, it's not quite what it was, but you know, uh, it's good. I need to I need to get something like that rolling over here in uh, the Sacramento area. I I just got uh, South Dakota South Dakota plates put on the GTR so I could drive it around again legally, and I actually just took it out uh, on Sunday for a cruise, and she's operating as she should. Oh, nice! No, you still got no your problem. Bayside Blue 
R32, right? Well, it's not Bayside Blue anymore. Okay. Uh, before I left Japan, I, I repainted it at the body shop I was working That's at. That's right. So now it's yes, yes. The TH1, the dark metallic blue pearl, uh, which is the original color for the car. So it's a little little better. Better. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's still she's still running. She still has the, has the same sort of setup that I think uh, I took you for a ride in. Yes, I remember that. That was that was uh, really really fast. I was I think I I want to say it was my one of my first times, maybe my first time ever in an R32. I'd probably been in a 35 before, but yeah, I remember uh, uh, flying through the tunnel below Hanita Airport and it just <laughs> yes. becoming a blur. You know that uh, the the way that. You know, uh, your first time as a, you know, as a kid, like over 100 miles an hour, everything like, you know, uh, sort of melds together. I had that experience over again at probably a lot higher than 100 miles an hour uh, in your car. It was really impressive. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think we, we did do a little bit over that. But it was really early in the morning. There was no traffic. It was on the right side of the, of the tunnel. So we were all good. It was a fun. That was a fun night. I don't. I it was that must have been the same around the same time um, of the Magus Walker event. I think. Yep. Not the Something same like night, that. But around the same time. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Would have been. Well, uh, Nathan, I think that's all we got for today. Uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing your experience with us. And yeah. Sure. Thanks. About it was your fun. Awesome cars and your awesome it's... life. Yeah, it's well. I don't, know, I don't know if it's so off. This is only the highlights, you know. It's never, uh, uh, it's not the whole story, but uh, but no, it was it was a, a neat time, and and it's cool to be uh, able to recount some of it and kind of walk down memory lane because yeah, it's getting further and further into the past, uh, and you know you got I got more. Certainly couldn't do that now, uh, but I'm but I'm very lucky that it was it, it all worked together, and uh, and it made for some some great. It's good to meet you and other people just randomly. I still keep up with some of them, and uh, and we're now spread out all over the world. But um, yeah, one, maybe next year I'll get my stuff together and I'll be at Auto Salon and we can uh, we can uh, all catch up or something like that. But uh. hey, that sounds like a plan too. I would love to be at Auto Salon next year, or more importantly, HTS Premium Day. I'm, I'm yeah, more yeah. of a GTR guy, and HTS Premium Day, where at Fuji Speedway is oh, sure. is the event to go to in, in January. If you don't know sure. now, you know people. Yeah, yeah, Yo, exactly. Don't <laughs> tease me, man. I got the I have I have the flexibility. You get you guys set a time. I'll be there. Man, I could just quit my government job whenever, and I'll have the flexibility. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey Nate, thank you, man. A fascinating yeah, story, really cool experience. Um, I, I really appreciate you know just just getting to pick your brain about you know where you've been and what you've done. But uh, I think we got to take it away, Lenny. Where can they find us? Hey, listen, if you love what you hear on zero lift you can find us on all our socials on insta and twitter primarily zero lift podcast at zero lift podcast uh and if you would like to join our conversation join our community be part of of this group of wacky people always talking about cars and, and sharing their experiences we do have a discord it is open to everybody uh the links are in the link in our bios on all of our socials and so just hit that link accept the invite and uh you'll be on the zero lift discord you'll see a bunch of awesome japan centric stuff uh europe uh, vintage racing stuff that i just posted on the general paddock page of some historic races over at spa and there's just there's a lot so yeah join us we'd love to hear from you we love to grow our community and uh maybe get mo more of you guys 
our listeners uh, on the podcast talking about cars. And with that, always remember, keep it pinned, people. <laughs>